0: Somebody is back this week, and it is Blue Chew. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. They bring you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. Blue Chew is made in the good old US of A. It is prescribed online by a licensed physician, so you don't have to go to a doctor or wait in line. It is cheaper than a pharmacy. And they prepare and ship it right to you in a discreet package, no awkwardness, and you don't need to leave the house. It's great. So go to BlueChew.com, get your first shipment free when you use the special promo code. It's going to be a new one, Dr. Tom, and just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's b-l-u-e-chu.com. promo code Dr. Tom to try it for free. Blue Chew, remember, they are a better, cheaper choice, and we like to thank them for sponsoring the show. Remember, you, you can obviously uh, support us by supporting them. You can help make this podcast grow even more by going to bluechew.com. Again, make sure you use the promo code Dr. Tom. And of course, one more time, bluechew.com. Dr. Tom, you gotta love Blue Chew.
1: Oh, I, I do. I, I've tried it before, and uh, especially when they were one of our sponsors. And uh, it, it is a great product. Uh, so I, I enjoyed it myself. Let me just say that. I, I don't know how far I can really uh, stress uh, about Blue Chew. But, but, yeah, great product. Try it out. And you get a free opportunity when you contact them. So, yeah. Yes. Fantastic. And just that's
0: D-R-T-O-M, Dr. Tom. Pretty simple. BlueChew.com, a free, uh, sh- uh, free product. Five dollars shipping. So very, very good stuff there from a Bluetooth.
1: The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production.
0: Take you to school with Dr. Tom Pritchard. I am your host, JP John Paz, from the two-man power trip of wrestling. And of course, every week I am joined by the man, the former WBF World Tag Team Champion, eight-time Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Champion, and one of the greatest trainers in the history of professional wrestling,
1: the doctor of desire, Tom Pritchard. Tom, how are you doing today, sir? John, I'm doing great. And it's a beautiful night here in Altoona. Pennsylvania man oh yeah I flew into Pittsburgh earlier today and and we're having to tape this on a record this we don't tape things anymore but record this on a Saturday night Uh, and I'm in beautiful Altoona Uh, got picked up in Pittsburgh by Mike Latiri today with Imagine Wrestling getting ready for a big seminar tomorrow and uh, it's cold it's frosty outside but man I'm warm inside and I can't wait
0: Nice. So big yeah. Imagine Wrestling seminar. How do those things usually kind of go off? It's usually you're in charge or the person at the school is in charge. How does how do those things actually work?
1: Uh, they, they've been very nice. Uh, I, I come in and I do my thing. I, I talk for a little bit and I answer questions. And uh, I give my philosophy and my views on what professional wrestling is missing, what it needs today. And that's, again, just my opinion. You have your way, I have my way, but the right way and the only way does not exist there's a lot of different ways you can do this but uh uh i don't think the fundal fundamentals and basics ever go out of style and that's one thing that uh uh with all sports it's still fielding the ball batting practice pitching tackling running jumping all that good stuff uh and same thing with wrestling you know it's no different than any other sport or any other business that you want to get into and you want to be great at You have to have a solid foundation. So they usually let me come in, do my thing, and I do. And tomorrow we're going to start at 11 and go until whenever we go. It's going to be a fun time.
0: You know, it's interesting. I just talked to the assassin, Jody Hamilton, not that long ago. And we were talking about training guys at the power plan. And obviously this started kind of in the early to mid nineties where he really started the power plant and started training. And one of the right. first things he said was I had to teach these guys, the basics and the fundamentals, almost some of them all over again. Like you mentioned, DDP kind of teaching him everything all over again. And it's funny that he's talking about the nineties. This now we're in 2020 guys are still mentioning the same thing you know the basics and the fundamentals so you're right they never
1: go out of style he's talking about it 30 years ago you're still talking about it today that's right and i think a lot of the uh Uh, matches that people see today, it's not their fault because that's pretty much where we've taken the business, but a lot of the matches you see, uh, don't demonstrate how important the basics and fundamentals are. Therefore it's a, a mixed bag of miscommunication, if you will. And a lot of people think that, well, all you have to do is know some stunts, be able to flip flop and fly, and you will be a superstar. And that couldn't be any farther than the truth. Although you might be a superstar for maybe a year Maybe less. Who knows? But anyway, I always look forward to these uh seminars. I look forward to talking to the guys. I look forward to just hearing what they have to say about the business today. I always I do think there's room for growth. I think there's room for improvement. And uh you don't want to we do have to change, we do have to evolve and 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 make it uh an exciting business, an exciting sport. But don't forget what brought you to the dance. Don't forget it is important to know your basics and fundamentals. I'm it off my key. box now.
0: That is key. Hey, I just saw a guy, uh, I think it was the last week or the week before, in a big promotion, did not know how to lock up correctly. I thought that was hilarious in in a bad way. Like, how the hell, you're in the biggest, or technically the really second biggest company in the world. How do you not know to lock up? Come on. Well, or-
1: that, that's, that's a huge issue, I think. Is being either overlooked or just flat out neglected these days, and a lot of guys come in uh, with it with an idea and a opinion of themselves that translates uh, from whoever it may be that, that they feel it's important to feel that way and it's okay to feel that way. So you don't have to worry about something as minute and minuscule is locking up. So, and that, unfortunately, that's the attitude that some people have, not all, and there's some really tremendous athletes and and, uh, wrestlers out there as well as performers and workers uh, at the same time. But what it really translates into uh, the bottom line is you are, you want eyeballs on your product. You want people to get excited. You want people to be emotionally invested and, uh, into your match. And, and I'm watching some of these older matches uh, from the 70s and 80s and and with heat-seeking missiles like Gino Hernandez. Uh, just watched the match with Gino Hernandez versus, real quick, I know we have something to talk about, but <laughs> Gino Hernandez versus Chavo Guerrero in Houston, Texas. And before the match even started, Gino has people jumping out of the crowd trying to, to attack him. And, and, and you see Chavo and – in the frame first and then slowly, slowly you hear the people start coming alive and booing and yelling and screaming. And Gino comes in the frame, having his head on uh, the top of a guy's grabbing his hair, and just kicking him in the face. It was a fan who attacked him. This is before the match even got started. And once the match ended, Chavo went over, uh, but Gino cut him off, grabbed the belt and whacked Chavo over the head. And people were rushing, raging to the ring, standing up. There was that genuine, emotion, genuine passion, and it was because Gino Hernandez was authentic and so was Chavo Guerrero, and people had a reason to be there, had a reason to watch these guys. They were gladiators. They weren't spot monkeys. They weren't just uh, uh, going out there doing the moves. They were putting emotion and feeling behind what they did. They believed it, and they felt it. If it looks good, you'll see it. If it sounds good, you'll hear it. If it's marketed right, you'll buy it, but if it's real, you'll feel it. And that is a
0: huge part missing in today's wrestling. I mean, no doubt about it. It's all about the moves and not about the guy. It, it just—it's uh, you know—it's—it's it's lacking, and it's definitely hurting the
1: business for sure. I, that's what well, I think. It is, but I—I I, I don't think the craft has been passed down uh, enough times. And uh, at the same time, I don't think it's—it—it it, it has the veterans that's needed today, because that's really the way you learn is by learning from somebody who's been there, done that, uh, or at least knows how to do that has a point of reference of, of solid and authentic performers in, in professional wrestling. So we can talk about it all day long, bitch about it all day long, but all I can do is what I can do and give you my opinion my feeling on it and if it's up to you it's up to you or up to whoever comes trains with us uh to follow through and and listen to what we say or not it's your choice hey you sent a lot of guys
0: to the WWF, including the man i want to talk about today edge who recently in 2020 at the royal rumble last year made a big return to wrestling but when you think about Edge, when was the kind of first time you met him or laid
1: eyes on him? Would it be Funkin' Dojo, Dory Funk Jr. style WWF, about 97? I do believe it was the Funkin' Dojo uh, around 1997. I think it, Edge and Christian came in at the same time, I believe, correct? Mm-hmm. Or, or was Edge first and then Christian? I, I don't remember that part, it but I do remember. The same time, Edge may have been
0: there first, yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, I, I do remember uh, Edge coming to the dojo and I remember him being in that, uh, uh, class. And, uh, especially when uh, Pat came down one afternoon, uh, especially instead, or maybe it was a whole week. Pat came down and, and watched the dojo and got in there with us and, and told the guys, talked to the guys, uh, what was expected of them too, And you could, you could tell he was a fan edge was a fan. Um, and the difference is he, he had watched it. He knew what it was about, professional wrestling, that is. He understood um, the do's and don'ts, the why's and why nots. Uh, he needed to be uh, – he, 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 under, he understood what they were. He just needed the experience to be able to do them and try them out and, and get that feeling under his belt. So we, we already had an eye on him uh, from the beginning, and he, he, he got an opportunity. Like, uh, like he, like rightfully so. So he did a great job.
0: When he comes into the Funkin' Dojo, what is the structure there though? Like, are you in charge? Is Dewey Funk Jr. in charge? How is that working? And how is that dynamic?
1: I, I don't think anyone was specifically in charge. We were both writing reports. We were both, uh, uh in the ring training, the guys equally, Dory would go with the guy. I would go with the guy. We'd work with him in the ring. We would have matches. Uh, Dory had a way to set up. Dory, you know what, though? I will say this. Dory probably led the uh, uh, the drills the first part of the day. We would, we would either split up or or equally go in and, and work with the guys. So that's, that's how it was. But I don't specifically remember. Maybe there was. Of course, it was called the Funkin' Dojo. So, yeah, let's just say Dory was in charge. But uh, we all, we both, everyone who came through there as a coach, I uh, uh, did a, did a, a hell of a job and was a great help. So, you know, we we saw Pat come over there quite a few times. Jr. would come over. Uh, Bruce, even Vince would come over sometimes and watch the guys. So, uh, it was it was a cool time to be there because Dory Funk Jr. is one of the greatest NWA World Champions of all time, and you know, again, that's like people of the other generation saying Lou Thez was one of the greatest NWA world champions of all time, but it's all an era and involved putting in context. So edge had that opportunity to learn from a guy like Dory Funk Jr. Even to just be uh, in the same presence in the same room as Dory Funk Jr. Because uh, Dory is that quiet, calm, uh, sly slick as a Fox type personality guy. And that was something that, that, Not everybody can teach because not everybody understands it. Not everybody knows how to project that. So everybody who went through that Funkin' Dojo, by the way, let me just say this, got a hell of an education. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. If you think of
0: just about the lineage and career of Dory Funk Jr. To be able to even say you were trained by him is pretty awesome. How did he kind of get along with Vince? I I can't see Vince being a Dory Funk Jr. guy, which is just weird to me. Because remember when they brought him into the WWF in the mid-'80s, he was Haas Funk? It's like – yeah. You had one of the most legendary guys ever. and You decided to change his name and kind of just pretend he's just one of
1: the, you know one of the Funks with Terry. Very very weird. So how was that relationship? Well, I, I believe that was more of a JR deal uh, all along. Again, I, I don't I didn't really have any uh, uh, privy information in, in that sense, but I, I truly believe uh, JR's deal was to make the developmental system at that time the best. He could make it, and once again, um, Dory Funk Jr. for his era and and that time frame of what the business demanded and needed as a, for a world champion, he fit the bill. He was uh, credible, authentic. He he looked the part, and there was there was a chance every time he came to a new territory uh, as champion he was in jeopardy and there was a chance of him losing that title. He told that story and that was the NWA's world, uh, world champion uh, job was to go to a place, work with the top guy in that area, that region and make him look like he just barely got by by the skin of his teeth. And that meant usually going anywhere from an hour to 90 minutes to two hours. Sometimes. I mean, in Houston, I know he and Briscoe probably did two 90 minute draws and they put, I think the time limits the next time, two hours was the time limit. And then I think they did a DQ somewhere in there, but, um, that, that was a different mindset, a different philosophy and, and a lot of different psychology, uh, you know, how do you work an hour match Dory used to break it up into 15 minute matches and, and do that way, or sometimes 10 minute matches and. The, the key to that is is to relax and breathe and, and know you have a simple story to lay out. And it's not so hard if you know how. But the way you learn how is by doing it over and over and over again. That's why it was uh, a benefit and uh, a huge help to everybody who was there to have a guy who had done it, who had been there and understood how to tell you, slow down, breathe, but, but you can't just lay there and do nothing. You have to do the subtle things, the, the details and, uh, edge picked up on it. Edge learned from it. And he, he was a guy who, who certainly, and I think he'll tell you himself, he benefited greatly from, uh, from Dory Funk and being in the dojo.
0: So was the dojo more or less a finishing school or was it an actual full on like training school?
1: Yeah, it was a two-week tryout for the guys. We would bring a couple guys in. I believe it was two weeks. Have them there for two weeks. Put them up at the hotel downtown Stanford. Uh, They would have breakfast at at Titan Towers and go to the gym, second floor. And then we'd go over to the studio, uh, which is just right down the block. So, uh, two weeks. See if they had an opportunity. See if they had any potential. See what we had here. I think and and man forgive me it might have been even longer than that because I remember at the end of the of the dojo we would go work for Mike Sparta's uh New England uh events so yeah I, I I it could have been two or three weeks whatever it was it's been a long time but that's what it was we we get some of the a mix of experienced guys but mainly we were looking for um guys who hadn't been found yet, you know, uh, off the grid guys and, and out there kind of wrestling, having potential, but nobody would heard of them yet. So they might have they sent a tape in. They might have sent uh, pictures in. And once again, uh, J.R. was in talent relations at that time. I think Dennis Brent, maybe Kevin Kelly at that time as well. Uh, and I was just starting train guys. So you would find somebody that looked like, well, hey, they got something here. Let's see what they really got in person let's bring them and get them in the ring see how they move see uh see what they're like in person see how they see how they conduct themselves for a week or two weeks or a month whatever it was and that's how it was done
0: so with edge and, and being in the Funkin dojo when you kind of first see him did you know he was like well trained beforehand by ron hutchinson or or you know wherever he was
1: trained like did you know his backstory or not at all yeah, no, I, I knew his backstory. I knew he'd written the uh, essay to the paper and Ron gave him a scholarship and I hadn't met Ron yet, but, uh, I knew about Ron and I'd heard about Ron Hutchison through the years. So, um, yeah, it, I, I had that idea, but once again, just because you were trained by somebody doesn't always make you great. Uh, right. but, but in this case, it was true. Um, and yeah that's why i say we could tell he was a fan i could tell he he had been a fan there 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 is uh, a difference from somebody who has watched it and had a love for the business their whole life than someone who just comes in and wants to be you know famous and, and on tv this guy really wanted to live the lifestyle he wanted to be a wrestler this was this was in his uh, bones
0: so when he kind of first comes in what do you think about him you think like oh this guy he you know you could tell he's going to, you know, he's, he's a passion and stuff, but what do you think about him as far as like an athlete and his look and, you know, like his ability? What did you kind of think? You're like, oh, this guy I might need some training, or you think like this guy's got the main package?
1: No, he had raw talent. He, he really did. He had that raw talent. Uh, if you, even if you've been training for a while, some guys still don't know how to adapt in the ring. From, from circling in the ring, from just closing a gap from uh, locking up and, and taking your man to the corner or to the ropes, and then breaking uh, with instinct with with a with a gut feeling with a re- a natural reaction and that 's what he had. He had that natural reaction somebody even knows to cover, somebody knows how to back up, somebody knows how to where to put their arms, where to stand with their right foot, their left foot forward wh- whatever it may be and and he did he 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 had that, so he had had the training. Not only in the ring, but he trained his 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 head. he knew what it looked like. he knew what it was supposed to look like because he had watched great workers growing up too, and he knew what what he saw and and registered with him as being a great wrestler and uh that that's one of those things if you've never watched it or you're not as passionate about it, then you wouldn't worry about little things like that, but it is the thing the little things. The details that, that make up uh, one molecule at a time, if you will, of what, what a match is and, and training and, and having that instinct. It has to be an instantaneous, second nature feeling to you. And, and at that young age, it was obvious he had patterned himself after some uh, talented veterans.
0: Now, if you look at him now, you know he's completely cut up. He he looks a lot a lot bigger, you know, than he ever kind of did before. He looks like he's in great shape. Obviously, he's in his late forties now, but he just looks in tremendous shape. When he was a rookie, or you know, quote unquote rookie, WWF rookie, very skinny. Does anybody say anything to like, hey, we're going to teach you, you know, hit the weight room and stuff like that? Because he had those very skinny arms, kind of long and rangy, and stuff like that.
1: Well, that, that's why during that week, uh, we, we wanted to see them in the gym. We wanted to watch what they did in the gym. We wanted to see how dedicated they were. If you, if you, but he was a young guy back then too. So his body was still developing and we wanted to see how these guys attacked the gym. Did they need help? If they needed help, there were people there to help them in the gym. We, uh, Vince had a personal trainer at that time who was always around too. And you also had some guys who were in the gym and, and who were knowledgeable, uh, about training. So. It, it, at that stage, you know Andrew Martin was the same way test um, you know when he came in he he, well, he he worked out and he was a big guy, but you know later on in his career, man, oh my god, he really got to the point where he looked uh, uh, yeah. completely different and shredded up. so uh, that that was the idea to get to check these guys out and, and see how they behave, see what they do, see how they attack uh, not only in the ring but in the gym. And are you on time or uh, are, are you, are you arrested out in, in a bad part of Stanford, you know, at, at 1230 at night or one thirty, whatever it is, or, 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 you know, do we hear anything about you other than uh, you know, good things. We, we want to hear the good things and we want to hear the reports. They want to write good things in our report. So uh, yeah, I, I, I thought he had a lot of potential and, and as a young guy, you know, you are just developing and, and as he went on, he, he did develop, and his body grew into what it was.
0: Now, when you say you guys were helping out in the gym, so you guys are actually watching them, like, weightlifting stuff too? And you have somebody there either to help them or to watch so like, hey, this guy's lazy or, hey, this guy's intense or, you know, whatever the case may be.
1: Yeah, we would train too. That was our, our training too. You know, the Titan Gym has a great gym. Uh, it's like a Gold's Gym everything you needed so we would train too and the whole crew was in there training and uh i don't remember his last name but gary i believe he was a, he was a stanford cop who, who was, one uh, he was one of vince's he was one of vince's he was well he was one of vince's workout partners th- throughout his life and uh he was he was in there pretty much the same time we were in there if there was and there was there were people around there usually in the gym but they, the guys who would, would work out and they had a they had their own uh uh workout plan they had their their own workouts they were going to do too but if somebody needed help uh there were people that would help so you, but we would watch make our observations that's what we did interesting that's for some reason i
0: didn't even think about that when you know all these weeks from my training stuff you think about it. in the weight room too you you kind of want to see what these guys are up to because
1: you got to look good or you got to you know present yourself <sighs> well, well on TV. One, one thing everybody has to understand uh, and I can't necessarily speak for today on a, on a uh, personal level because I'm not there, but everything is a test and everything you're being judged on, right, wrong, or indifferent. If you're training or you're trying to get a job or or looking for an opportunity and you, you waste a minute or you waste whatever it may be or you uh, come across as apathetic and, and you really don't care, that's going to be... Proceed as you don't care, and we're going to see that. and And that's why we want to watch during the time you're you're in Stanford. What are your priorities? What are you going to do? Are you there to train? Are you there to uh, find to go find a nice place to go out and get drunk and come in at five in the morning? Okay, back in the old days, you could do that, but but then uh, you couldn't if you wanted a job. So we were looking at everything, and I, I tell people all the time. You never know who's watching, and it's always a test. If you go for a tryout, it's always, no matter what you do, from the minute you walk out of your car, get out of your car, walk into the building, how you how you are perceived is very, very important.
0: That is just a great example, though. Let's just say, you know, Edge is – he didn't do this, but let's just say he's partying or not focused. You would probably mm-hmm. think to yourself, like, okay, you know, you pass it on up. Like, I don't know, Jr. If we want this guy, he was out partying on last night in Stanford and came late to to
1: practice. You know, character is a huge, huge element that some people really overlook, and it's something that that nobody really thinks about uh, until it's too late. And yeah, that that was a that's a that's a big part of it because uh, you could be the greatest performer in the world but if you're causing trouble outside the ring you're you're more trouble than you're worth and uh you know nobody's nobody's bigger than the system nobody's bigger than the company nobody's bigger that big a star that they can't be released it's been proven time and time again with edge obviously he's about
0: six four whatever he is i mean he's a pretty tall guy at this point, a little bit skinny, but still, you know, he's in shape. He, he's, a, he's a big dude for sure. So how is his athletic ability? Is he coachable? What did you think about him in the wrestling ring working out with you? Very
1: coachable. Uh, very polite. Very respectful. Yeah, he, he had all the tools, all the element of a guy who could be molded into what the office wanted. And uh, that was... That was a prerequisite. Are you coachable? Do you listen? Um, again, can you show up on time? Are you Are you a guy that we can count on? No matter where you are on the card, no matter what you have to do, are you that guy? Well, he was. With Edge and kind
0: of coming in, I forget, what I think it was like Sexton Hardcastle or whatever his name is. Yeah. Do you guys give him that name, or is that the creative services in WB that just gives them the name Edge? I,
1: I think that was uh, – Edge and uh, maybe Creative got together, and that's what they came up with. Uh, I remember seeing the name Sexton Hardcastle on the uh, rundown sheets we had and Adam Copeland. But uh, after that, you know, I I wasn't – I was purely just training people that I had nothing to do with the creative people. So that was uh, back and forth with them, I'm sure. You ever look at that name, you're like,
0: is this guy going to be, you know, like a jokester? Is this guy going to be serious? Do you ever think about that when you look at some of the names? No.
1: No. Well, yeah, some of the names, but not, not with Edge. No, no, no. Sex and Hardcastle. It's one of those things that you, uh, when you're thinking about stuff, uh, and, and you write it down no matter what it is, you just, just write it down. And then you look, go back and look at it and go, Oh Jesus. (laughs) That was something I thought of, but uh, you know, you never know what's going to click. You never know. And, And it's the same thing with, uh, you know, stunning Steve Austin or the Ringmaster, and then all of a sudden you go to Stone Cold. Oh, wait a minute, that's got a nice ring to it. So, you know, I no, I I never, I, I always thought guys are trying stuff out, writing stuff down, having ideas, and it's good to have ideas. Uh, don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to try a bunch of stuff and see what works because you just don't know. It may it may work, it, and it, as crazy as it may sound, uh, try it. Does Jr. come and check up on Edge? I mean, he's technically
0: signing these guys, and when Edge officially does get signed, is he coming in and saying, "Hey,
1: this guy's ready"? What did you think about him? Like, how does that conversation go down? Well, again, we are writing our daily reports and telling how these, uh, telling him what we think and how we think these guys are going. Of course, Edge was a big guy, tall kid, and Jr. had watched him. Uh, train. He would come over occasionally and watch the guys just for an afternoon and stay for maybe an hour, sometimes all all afternoon. But uh, then, after the two weeks were, was done, from my recollection, uh, we would single out the names that we wanted and figure out a time to bring them in for a dark match. Um, because we had matches at the dojo too. We had matches uh, between the guys. We'd work with some of the guys sometimes too. But and and tape them and so the office had all that stuff to look at at their fingertips and we all kept we kept it studio so they could watch and see how they uh performed in the ring in the studio in practice and then decide who they wanted to bring for dark matches and uh we went from there it's funny uh i was working with jr i believe it's about it maybe
0: a couple Basically, I think it was, I'm trying to remember when it was, maybe it was February or something. I talked to him. Um, it was right before the pandemic, but right after the Royal Rumble. So it had to be, either be late January or February. And I was just talking to him ab- about Edge. And I was like, I don't know how much of a draw he is. And I never really liked him much. I was like, uh, he was a little too soft for me. I didn't like his style. Like kind of like going on like being an idiot. Now he realized he goes, uh, John, I love, ja- uh, I love Edge. I signed it. Right. <laughs> right. So right like, yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, you, you got to think, man of but kind just... of style, but but yeah he, he got on me about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but th- th- that that's that's what I'm saying. There's a lot of guys that that we don't uh necessarily get into and, and that's okay. That's that's why you have to have different strokes, and you have to have different type of characters, man. So, um you know, <laughs> some people like uh GG Allen, some people like Van Halen. You know, so either way, but not comparing Edge to GG or Van Halen. Either way, I'm just saying that's what made professional wrestling so good is you had so many great guys during a time period where maybe not everybody was your cup of tea, but over here that you had a fan base, and then you had a fan base for for certain people. You know, some people love Shawn Michaels, some people love Bret Hart, and you had two different camps a lot of times, but they were both tremendous. Uh, performers and athletes. So, yeah. But you got to be and careful it, when you're telling somebody who signed the guy that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But it's funny, like when he, you know, redebuted in 2020. I was like, wow. You know what? I like him way more now because he wrestles the style that I like with the storytelling and it and a little bit slower. And I mean, he could still do the high spots and all that stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong, but. I like the fact that he's telling a story. He's working an angle. He's trying to, you know, really, really um, work his craft. I rather see that style, which is funny. So he like jumped the list over most of the current guys, if not all the current, because I like what he's doing rather than spot, 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 spot. Oh, big spot. Like him and Orton. It was a great feud because maybe the mania match wasn't as good, but the, the greatest match ever was good. And I did like that match with Orton because of the style of the match. I know. I just
1: like that style more. Well, Edge even wrote a uh piece in Facebook, or I think it was on Facebook where he said uh, people were knocking the greatest match ever or whatever it may be, or maybe it was he wrote you remember that we well I, I put that on the wall because he said I'd rather uh, have a match for Jerry Briscoe and and Pat Patterson. People call us and say, "Bret Hart, like great yeah. man, yeah. Bret Hart." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, he's he's a, he's an old school guy, and he understands the basics and fundamentals of storytelling, and that's what we're doing. We're telling. We're supposed to be doing is telling stories, and um, just to let everybody know that, hey, look, uh, get 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 used to this when you watch me, because this is our love love note to the business that we grew up watching and loved it and respected and, and enjoyed our, our career and our whole lives. So, and, and once again, if you get enough guys who can do it well in this day and age and get people interested in it, as opposed to watching it for a video game, you watch it for a gladiator contest, uh, even though everybody thinks they know and they know all the stuff that's going on, well, you have guys who could still make it authentic and, and give it a special flavor like a Randy Orton and an edge. And, uh, they can make it exciting for you even more exciting than just, we do moves. We do moves. We do moves. We do moves. Hey, I do flippy cool stuff. Yeah, this is awesome. No. Um, the crowds back then were more passionate because the guys back then, the wrestlers were more passionate. And it's it's society, it's culture, and it's just the world we live in today. So, I mean, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but, man, I seem to.
0: The new sponsor is Lucy. Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative made for people, not patients. So Lucy has created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine, and it comes in three great flavors. Wintergreen, cinnamon, and pomegranate. Also the lozenge as well in cherry ice flavor. well, you can go to Lucy.co, that is Lucy.co, and use the promo code Tom. To get 20% off all products, including gum and lozenges, that's lucy.co. Use the promo code Dr. Tom at checkout. Also, have to give this disclaimer warning this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. So, lucy.co. Made sure to use the promo code Dr. Tom. That's D R T O M.
1: And I have some of the uh, cinnamon pomegranate.
0: My brother in law, I'm not a smoker either, but I gave it to my brother in law, who's a big smoker. He loves it because. Basically, his wife and, and he's got two little kids were basically saying, you know, you got you got to yeah. stop. You got to stop smoking. You stink. You got and, and when he would go out and smoke, it was kind of embarrassing. They wouldn't let him smoke in the house. So he'd have to go around the corner, smoke and you know, kind of hide you know, from everybody. Come back in, uh, use the cologne or whatever and stink. So he's saying this is great because, first of all, the kids don't even realize they think he's chewing regular gum. You right. know, he, so he was saying he absolutely loves it just for the fact that. It's kind of one of those things where they don't know he's doing it. But, yeah, there you go, Lucy. So, you know, I just think it's awesome, too, because his wife's happy and his kids are happy. He's not smoking, <laughs> smoking right now. Yeah. It's helpful for
1: everybody, not only him, but to, for his family. A lot more healthy for you as well. So, I mean, if you, if you need a nicotine rush or need a nicotine fix, man, chew the gum. It does have a lot of cool flavors. Pomegranate, wintergreen, and, winter green and uh, cinnamon aren't bad at all. Yeah, if, if you do smoke, try this, check it out. You won't be uh, looked at like you have four eyeballs coming out of your head.
0: Awesome stuff from Lucy. So, for all you taking to school with Dr. Tom, our listeners go to lucy.co, use the promo code Dr. Tom for 20% off all products, including gum and lozenges. That match was good, the greatest match ever. And obviously, I don't know if people know this, but originally they were supposed to have that match, I guess, in Saudi Arabia. So, you know, they tried to say the greatest Royal Rumble, the greatest match ever. So that's technically why it was called that, and they just kept the the tagline on there. But, I I mean, I watch it. Well, a few times. I mean, I went back just because I liked it that much, and I love Orton too. So I was like, "Wow, Edge." I mean, I guess like I was like, I really liked his style. Maybe back then when he was mixed in with all like you know the Austins, the Rocks, the World, but now that he's with the current guys, I was like, "Man, he kind of jumps over them." and he- just I mean it could be my personal preference but I think he's a lot better than them because he just
1: knows what he's doing out there. Well, he does and and also you have to remember his early days in WWE from the deaf mute to when he came out with the Brood. You got to Man, the Brood had one of the coolest entrances yep. uh, of of all time with the ring of fire and the and 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 drinking the blood whether it was a rib or not, I don't know, but but the point is, you know, you get up on the on the stairs and, and take a swig of the red stuff and then spit it out in the crowd. You know, you're even somebody there. I don't know. Uh, but it, it was one of the, the greatest entrances ever. I thought, and it fit those guys. They, they, they were living it. And, uh, once again, they weren't just acting and playing like they were vampires in the mo. They were in the moment. And, uh, uh, you weren't sure if they ever got out of that moment, if you were in that arena, because you could feel the uh, energy and the intensity. And, and that's, that was the key. That's, that's where he, uh, he, that was his Genesis in the big time. And he kept that feel of, of a big time star all the way through. Before they sign the guy, like JR signs him. Do you have to give him the thumbs up or seal of approval? Or that's not really your <laughs> job to do well, that. Well, yeah, because we could give somebody a, a thumbs down if they really wanted them, they're going to yeah. sign them. But I mean, we we would tell them what we thought, and if they if they didn't want to, I, I guess I don't know. Again, this to be a fact, but but that might be something to hang their hat on, saying, "Well, here's why." And and you know we, that was our job too. But um, and, and I don't know that that ever happened. Just just for the record. But the right. point is, uh, yeah, we would say that we this is what we thought. You can see the thumbs up, thumbs down. But um, if they wanted to try him, they're going to try him anyway. Didn't matter. So they bring him up. You
0: know, they, they end up signing him. Jr. Obviously loved him, uh, and he found that out, you know, the hard way. But he absolutely loves loves Edge. Right. They bring him up. They put him with the brood. Is that something that is kind of almost lost today that I feel like back then they, they executed? You put a young guy who may be a little green or maybe, you know, he's quote-unquote a rookie, he's a little green. You put him with the veteran Gangrel Heath, the vampire warrior, the guy who's been around forever. Is that kind of a lost art almost in wrestling where they just throw two young guys out there together? Don't you need to kind of be, you know, mentored
1: along by, you know, like a Gangrel guy or I, something like that? I I, I believe that with all my heart the problem is there aren't any gang There aren't a whole lot of mentors out there to uh, take these guys and, and give them that. But, uh, and, and the guys who could, or, or pass their prime and too old. Uh, I, I think, you know, you got to look at it like this too. Back then we were, it was the genesis of the developmental system for WWE prior to any of that uh, Funkin Dojo or just training at the studio. It, the, the WWE did not have a developmental system. WCW had the power plant, and that's what Vince really wanted in the beginning. And as it evolved, the, the idea in Tampa for FCW never was uh, to put FCW TV on a network. Well, no, I take that back. There, there was talk about that in the beginning. Hey, this might even be its own brand. But, but then the mandate came down. That we wanted to keep these guys off the radar. We're going to keep them... Low profile, but get the experience working TV, learning how to work the hard camera, listening to the crowds, timing wise, hitting your cues, hitting your marks, Um, and now the performance center is tremendous. There's no doubt about it. It, It's it's a great facility, and they do a lot of great things. But when you put those guys on a nationally syndicated TV show, or 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 it's not nationally syndicated, it's uh, on uh, USA on cable, uh, you, you know, on a Wednesday night. And they, they're your future stars. It, it ceases to become a developmental territory anymore. Now it's a brand. Now it's, now they're kind of in that box where you know, you're supposed to be learning. And, and the only way to learn is to have a live match in the ring. But, but you've been seen now. You're not special when you go to the main roster. Back then, you know, Edge could learn and then go to the main roster. And get some experience at the house shows before putting him on TV before he was ready and, and get some experience under his belt. Nowadays, the models change where, uh, they don't do TVs the way they used to. So you got to be ready for it for, for the show. It's WWE is basically a television show these days. I mean, part by design and part by necessity, but, um, house show business is down for the last few years anyway for everybody. So they were looking, putting more investment into the television product, but it's a different animal today. You got NXT, you got SmackDown, you got raw, then you got your, uh, whatever syndicated shows. So, um, that, that was, that was the way it was done back then because you had the guys that were able to do it. And the guys who were able to mentor these guys on the house shows and, and get them there on time. and, and show them the ropes and, and not only inside the ring, but outside the ring and the right things to do. And, uh, unfortunately those guys are either gone or away from the business. And, uh, that's
0: a shame. Yeah, because that's such an interesting thing. Because you know the Gangrel, the brood thing, the theme music, the lights, the blood. I mean, it all is great and it works well, and it was a perfect match. But it was also the veteran and the young guy. You know, he can help Edge get over. He can teach him the ropes. He could teach him, you know, how to, you know, not necessarily how to walk to the ring, but how to have a presence to walk down to the ring and those no. little things,
1: nuances. Yeah, and, and uh, Gangrel especially was one of those guys who worked his way up and earned his stripes and, and knew how, what it took, uh, to, to get that respect and to, to get that gravitas once you're, you're out there and and people believe in you and, and see you as uh, a guy who fits in that group and fits in that mold and fits in that, uh, energy of, of personalities, because those are three pretty distinct personalities that, that, really resonated with the people so uh and and gangrell was the leader of that he was the guy who helped those guys along and and i don't think there was anybody uh better who could have done that gimmick and helped to get over the way he did
0: then you know he moves up the the ranks i mean he kind of gets a shock victory over jeff jarrett um for the intercontinental title i mean he like is is slowly like you could see they see something in there they like something so they'll give him something not necessarily that he's ready but they'll give him something so is that something you notice too like they like him they see something in him so
1: they'll give him something try it and slowly move up the ladder well uh, once again you you that's the way it was done back then you you would put him in a position put somebody in a position and uh, see how they handle it see how they reacted see how they handle it uh, in their head and you come back and are you mature enough yet or or do we need to need to pull back a little bit with you, but, uh, he was, he was doing a good job and, and you don't want to rush it too fast, but sometimes you need to, and, and sometimes you're not ready to do it. But, uh, yeah, that was, again, that was a model back then. Give them something. Let's see how they do on the house shows. Let's let's have a dry run here, uh, up in Wisconsin or dental floss, Michigan or something like that and see what happens and then maybe we can put it on TV or maybe we can move into an angle here like this. So um that, that was that was the way things were done it's just changed a lot. Yes.
0: Now a lot of people online got on him a little bit because he was saying about like, you know, spot monkeys and wrestling and stuff. They're like, what about your TLC matches? I know he's not really that type of wrestler if you if you look at his whole scape or whole whole landscape of, of wrestling he's not really that that spot buggy but he did have the period of time where he was doing those crazy tlc matches with the dudleys and the Hardy and hardy boys and that really kind of got him over got him to a certain point i mean it definitely kind of elevated all those guys to a certain point what did you think about like those crazy tlc matches and all the stuff and all the weapons and everything else that was kind of comes with it
1: when I say spot monkeys are just doing moves or just doing spots and flip flop and flying, and stuff like that, you have to have that in wrestling. You have to. There is a, a place for it. You you have to have the right place for it. And it has to be at the right time with the right people. And it has to mean something. The Hardys, the Dudleys, Edge and Christian. I don't know if there were any, uh, what is that, nine? No, two, four, six. Six guys in the business or anywhere that could have pulled that stuff off. I mean, where Jeff is dangling uh, from the top, uh, I guess grabbing the the belts or whatever it is. And edge gives him the spear off the, off the uh, ladders. Look, I don't care if you know how to fall or not. That's a hell of a bump. That's a hell yeah. of a risk to take. Great. And you only get one chance to do that. And they made it and they did it. And, and that speaks volumes to all those guys. So, that was because it was the only match of its kind on the card or in the program or whatever it may be. That's when it was special. But when you do it all night long, every match, it becomes like two elephants. Yeah. Two elephants. And I don't want to (laughs) tell us, but it, it, it has a, I have to use the words that I have to use when I tell that story, but it just becomes redundant and it becomes, you know, holy shit, holy shit. And second match does the same thing. Holy shit, holy shit. Third match, they do the same thing. It's like, holy shit, what's at the concession stand? Nobody cares after a while. And the the freshness, the newness, the uniqueness of those latter matches put those guys on the map, all six of them on the map. And they were all six tremendous Doing that, the, the Dudleys had had experience in that hardcore environment. And I, I'm, I'm sure they had a huge influence and uh, part in planning those spots. But don't, you know, uh, Edge and Christian were very creative as well as the Hardy Boys. So you had some pretty creative minds going on there and, and, and risk takers at that time. So I thought they were cool as hell. And... So I appreciate a good gimmick match. I do, I do, I do. I you just have to have guys who actually look the part, are the part, and not just going out there playing backyard wrestling. So that's what made that so unique. They weren't they 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 were stars when it they went try- out there. And the
0: TLC matches were, like, placed in the card. Obviously, Austin and The Rock and Undertaker and Kane. I mean, they're not doing those type of matches per se. So, I mean, it was it was, felt special and felt different and felt unique. Those guys were right. doing it. With Edge and Christian, I always thought Christian, if you picked the two of them, was, like, the better worker, or the better technician, the better wrestler. But Edge was bigger, had a better look, and looked like a WWE main eventer. I know people would say Christian would eventually be a main eventer, too, but I'm saying maybe a year prior, when Edge was, Christian really wasn't in the main event, because Edge had Something else about him, maybe maybe a little bit more of an factor too. But he just right, he just looked like, not to say Christian's not a star, but he just looked like more of a star.
1: You have to look like a star to be a star. You right. have to now. Now I say that, and then we point to other guys who may not look like a star, but they have the star quality. Whatever that star quality is, it connects. Some people, and I've heard this, some people have said Daniel Bryan does not look like a star. But Daniel Bryan connects and, and and makes people believe he is a star evidenced by seventy thousand people going yes 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 uh, so I just because you're not six foot one or six two or two thirty pounds two hundred thirty pounds it's that unknown quality that intangible element that it factor that makes. And separates stars from people who aren't. And Edge definitely had it. And I think Christian had it. And while we always say this, you know, we, we, we out of tag teams, uh, this guy was a better worker, but this guy had that, that, that star quality. You know, Ricky was a promo guy. Robert was the guy coming to make the comebacks, but Ricky was the guy that had the girls crying. And all. Okay. Well, same thing. And, and I think it holds true, uh, uh, even today, you still have to have that um, connection, whatever we call it—the the energy, the the voodoo, the hoodoo, the magic sensation, whatever it is that you draw people to you. And that's—I uh, don't—charisma. You can't teach it. I mean, you might be able to study it and try and mimic it, but if you don't have it, that's as close you're going to get like edge
0: and, and obviously he is now, but kind of has that movie star quality too, where you're like, who is this guy? You know, tall, yeah. blonde, like good looking, but kind of big. So it's like, wow, this guy must be somebody. So he, he definitely has some more than Christian. Who's Christian is probably more like my height. He's probably like six foot or whatever he is a little bit skinnier, a little bit smaller. Edge just had that more presence, more of a star look to him than Christian to me.
1: Yeah. And, and, and a lot of people felt the same way. Um, so yeah, you, you, you want, to see stars, people want to see stars on the screen. You want to see people who, uh, who are different than you, unique. You know, you can see dogs and cats every day, but you go to the circus and WWE to see lions, tigers, and bears and special people. Uh, that's why they're in that spot. That's why they're uh, paid what they're paid. Uh, the top guys, anyway, because they are stars and they bring that quality with them wherever they go. Edge eventually, as he moves along, he he wins a King of the Ring.
0: Then he's really starting you know, put get a push up the ladder. He won the IC title again. He wins the US title from when when they kind of take WCW over. I mean, he's slowly becoming a, a big star. Eventually, he ends up, and this is the controversial part, but eventually, he ends up cheating with Lita because of Matt Hardy was with Lita at the time. Look like you know, maybe they're well on their way to be married, and and, and Edge I guess was married at the time, so. That was one of those things where it's like, wow, is this guy behind the scenes? Maybe he's a little bit of a scumbag. Oh, I can't believe he did that. We know this and that. But in turn, when the fans started getting a hold of and people getting a hold of that, he uses that and becomes like a character times ten. I'm going to play the scumbag and to play this, and I feel like that really got him over and obviously Lita was a big part of that too because she played the heel and she played the role too and I feel like that is kind of what set him off. Do you think that that was almost a positive even though it's such a negative thing for everybody about it, Do you almost think there was a positive that that came out because it's like oh this guy and they used it as a character?
1: Well I don't know how it could be anything but a positive in the sense of this. Wrestling, professional wrestling is is a unique animal unlike any other Uh, out there in the uh, jungle, if you will. Because you, we, the business would use true life elements and blend them in, let it bleed over to one another uh, many, many times, many, many times over the years. And when you had an element of truth and real life happening, you could sense the tone you could sense the feeling the movement the 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 tension in the air and both all three were performers they they lived their life in front of a camera they grown up and you know backstage and and same thing like uh, Chris and Tammy uh you know t- Tammy Sitch that that was re- elements of truth interwoven in storylines you know hey. I've heard you had sunny days lately. Oh my God, that was that was for Brett, but it was in front of everyone, and including Brett's wife. So it was it was felt from the heart. That's when I talk about authenticity as as horrendous and as twisted and um, un- not understandable as this may seem. You have to ask yourself, you're in this business. There's real life feelings and emotions and intertwined, uh, you know, uh, deception and, and deceiving and lying and cheating and all this stuff in real life, in your, in your real life. But, but your real life is what you really do on camera and come to work each day like that. So I don't know who proposed it. I don't know how it came about with the angle. But, you know, when you when you have the dirt sheets and and people writing about it and, and you have people who are half smart and then you're all the way smart and, and and people talking about it and things like this, this is with the Internet age. And, uh, you know, do you come to the understanding and talk to your ex and say, let's do some business with this because we're in this kind of business? Well, it got mileage out of it and it made it brought a different side of edge out and that's what this is you know um we talk about living the gimmick well that was living the gimmick but knowing it was a gimmick and understanding that this is what we do so we're getting it over and people, more people are into it and it was authenticity authenticity and the people felt it and they they got involved emotionally involved so i think it was a positive and the negative on on a on a personal uh, level, you know, Vince always says it's not it's it's just, it's just business. Well it's not really ever just business. We all have a personal connection to it, you know, we feel strongly about it. But at at the end of the day, if we're putting ourselves out there, then all's fair in love and war. And uh, I think they both used it to their advantage because they both loved, lived, and died for the business back then. And I, well, including Lita and things happen, uh, especially when you have people in the back of, of the same age and same, you know, likes and, and going to the gym all the time, you're looking good, you're spending all the time together. And well, it's, it's not a shock to, to people who've been and seen it, you know, so if it happens, and, and, and people find out about it, and then all of a sudden, what are you going to do about it? Well, I, I, again, I don't know who came up with the idea of, well, let's make an angle out of it. But but it worked. And, uh, you know, people lived their life, and Matt went his way, and Edge went his way, and Lena went her way. You know, nothing's permanent in life. I found that out a long time ago, too. And Lita, I mean, she was great in that role too. I feel like she yeah.
0: really kind of elevated edge and obviously made him play a little bit different character than he's ever played before, but man, she was great. I even remember looking great too, because she'd wear like that skimpy outfit, no bra, but she'd have like little tiny things. So, I mean, she knew how to play the role perfectly, but all eyes yeah. were on her in that storyline for sure.
1: Yeah. And, and that's what made her so great because they knew how to hook you and, 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 it wasn't with a salt necessarily. It was that personal issue, that, that level of drama that a lot of, most everybody's been through, you know, or not almost a lot of us have been through. Some people may not, but, but you know, a cheating spouse, a cheating girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever it may be, the lies, the deception. Oh my God, who can't relate to that? And, and why wouldn't you hate that scumbag? Great business. So.
0: Yep. And then they did the live sex show, which got a huge rating. Obviously they wow. promised live sex and leaders, you know, pretty much naked in, in a bed in the ring and Edge is pretending to sleep with her stuff. So that was a, a huge rating getter. You know, a lot of guys are interested in that.
1: Well, yeah, but once again, that was the culture back then. That was what the of course yeah. WWE was. That's what it was presented. It was that edgy rough cut attitude and, and, uh, different, different day, different time and and different culture for sure. So, uh, can you bring that back without doing the sex stuff, without doing that, but have that same energy and same level of intensity and drama and caring where it's, it's again, legit and people are buying into it in a way that They're not just going. Oh, that was an awesome angle you guys did out there, man. No, I can't stand that guy because this is true. This is so true. But you're doing it in front of the camera, and uh, I think, yeah, I I, I think I I think if you could bottle that or figure out a way to to demonstrate it today and let someone learn it, uh, I think it'd be great. I think it'd be. Could be really good, but but, it's a different business for sure. With him, he became multiple time world champion,
0: multiple <laughs> time WWF champion. You know, he beat the Cena's of the world, feuding with him for a while, beat the Undertaker's of the world, feuding with the Undertaker, headlined WrestleMania 24 against Undertaker in a card that had Big Show and Floyd Mayweather and Rick Flair versus Shawn Michaels retirement. So, I mean, that was a pretty big deal. I remember watching, like, wow, Edge Undertaker got the main event, obviously. Undertaker kind of plays precedent at WrestleMania over a lot of guys, but that that was a
1: huge, huge deal for not only Undertaker obviously, but Edge. I mean, that was a big time spot. Great well, match too. Great match. And yeah. and you're talking about a kid who came from a, a single parent home with his mom from Canada, wrote an essay to get a scholarship, uh, and and just just a wing and a prayer, and uh, made an impression. Got a tryout made the most of it, and had focus, laser focus, and went out, uh, fulfilled his dream, and, and, and then to main event WrestleMania. Um, it, it doesn't get any better than that, but he did it with hard work. He, he did it. He earned everything he got. Never slacked, never lazy, and put forth an effort every time he went in the ring. He did eventually get
0: some neck problems. He had a couple surgeries and a couple issues. Then the doctors eventually would tell him that, you know, he forced him to retire basically, that he's going to end up uh, permanently paralyzed, he's going to injure himself further, you know, he's got to retire. He had a very moving and and emotional retirement. He basically was weeping and crying on national TV, what you would expect from from anybody that basically has their dream taken away from them. Were you surprised, at, at, like, at that point that he had to retire at that age, or you knew of some injuries that he had?
1: Well, I, I didn't know how bad the injuries were. Uh, I knew he had a bad neck, but I, I, I was a little surprised that he had to retire. But at the same time, you know, prior to him coming back, he he got in touch with me asking about coming down to get in the ring just just to to see if we we would be okay uh, just just to bounce around the ring he didn't have a ring at that time at the house, so came down and and nobody was in the j p w a and we we sat there and I said, so tell me what's going on and he explained that uh you know you know the guy that originally looked at his neck you know saw the neck and he he was not necessarily an athletic doctor wasn't wasn't a uh uh a sport. Uh, he might have been a sports doctor, but he wasn't an athletic guy is what it was. The doctor wasn't. He was kind of a smaller guy, didn't, uh, you know, w- knew about wrestling, I think, but he didn't really know to the extent of what he had gone through and, and things like this. So he looked at the injury and said, for, for a normal person, yeah, you, you could be paralyzed in the next month. And, and I think that we take that risk anytime we step in the ring. But uh, then he started feeling better as he went on. So when he was telling me this, he goes, he had another doctor's opinion who, you know, was who had been around athletics, who'd been around athletes and understood. He said, I don't know, give it a shot. Just see what you feel like. And, and his neck had either strengthened through the years or he felt better about it. So, um, you know, that's, that's a hard thing because anybody who has neck problems, man, I, my neck is fused uh where can I have no mobility in there and I know how how painful it is for me but this guy's still taking bumps he's had operations on it and uh so that that again is a testament to not only how tough he is and how willing he is to put his body in line but but his love for the business and is it is it misguided or mis, misplaced I don't think so because the greats never lose their passion for it and you know you may not like it all the time and you may get frustrated with a lot of time but but still in your heart and in your gut you know uh this is what you're meant to do this is where you 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 keep drawing your uh your attention towards it and you keep hearing the voices uh of the wrestling business in your head and, and it never leaves you so that's that's how edge is that's how he was, and that's what I saw in him when he when he came down to train with us so you know with with a neck injury, you're always going to think about it I think i I believe, and uh you have to be careful, no doubt about it, but why not give it an opportunity, especially if you still love the business, especially if there's an opportunity for you to make more money now more than ever? uh well before again when he when he was coming back he had an opportunity so i i think he should be allowed to do it and i think that uh uh he's going to take every every chance he can to to have matches and and, and be the best adam that he's always been and obviously, uh, play it safe and work
0: with certain guys. Don't work with you know all these guys. Work with Orton, AJ Styles. Like, kind of work with guys that definitely hundred percent will not hurt you?
1: Well, but but that goes without saying, pretty much, because uh, Edge is going to work with nothing but the top guys anyway, and people right. that he wants to, and people that want to work with him, and people are going to going to understand what's going on. So yeah, no, that that's that's just a, a given. Hopefully, I'm I'm pretty sure it is that. Uh, whenever you step in the ring it's it it is about safety and taking care of each other but at the same time going out there and doing everything you can do uh to have an exciting match in fact have the most exciting match on the on the card nice i think that is the
0: perfect stopping point for this episode want to mention some plugs let's talk about your book a pro wrestling curriculum advice suggestions and stories to help the aspiring pro get to the next
1: level dr tom working everyone get your book now wait just a minute. Last week you had my book. I, this week I'm in Altoona and I don't have my book. Are you saying you don't have my book right now to hold up? It's where where is it? It's Never right mind. Behind. I just no, like, grab it right, right on I, that no, book. No, 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 that's <laughs> it's okay because we did we did this without a uh, a video before. But anyway, you can get my book on. Uh, uh, pardon me. Pay, you can send PayPal, Doctor Tom Pritchard at AOL uh, for twenty five dollars. I will. Uh, send you a personally signed autographed book, or you can go to amazon.com and type in Dr. Tom's book in the subject column and you can get it there as well.
0: Also, go to ProWrestlingTees.com. You can go to Dr. Tom's store. You go to my store. I got a store on there as well. And you can go to JPWA Wrestling Academy store as well. Also, I implore you to check out JPWA's Patreon as well, which has got some pro wrestling training tips and some other guides for everyone. And, of course, check out the website, JPWrestlingAcademy.com for all things JPWA. Dr. Tom, what else you got going
1: on? Well, uh, once again, I'm here in Altoona, Pennsylvania for Imagine Wrestling and looking forward to the seminar uh, tomorrow. I'm doing a seminar next week also in Nitro, West Virginia. And uh, we've also had a few inquiries about doing seminars later on down the uh, down the year here, and uh, hopefully things are going to be getting back to relative norm normalcy as we go along 2021. But uh, we're rolling along. We just started our our, our first JPWA class of 2021, uh, and uh, I'm excited about that as well. People are uh, people are looking forward to. 2021 in this country and i am too man i think it's uh, it's time for a change yeah. or at least a time for something else to happen than what's been happening for the last uh shoot 12 months absolutely just want
0: to mention also you can follow me on twitter and instagram at two man power trip you can follow dr tom at dr tom pritchard dr tom this has been a great episode this week I'd like to thank all the fans for joining us this week we'll see you right back here next week for a ticking you to school with dr tom richard see you next week folks this has been a john pause power trip production in conjunction with the two-man power trip of wrestling you could follow us on instagram and twitter at two-man power trip you could check us out on facebook you could subscribe on youtube